We read today from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. I have a hair stuck in my eyeglasses. Excuse me, I think I got it now. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was, made, was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. I pray, therefore, that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In my childhood home, we always mixed our orange juice from frozen concentrate. Now, in case you have never done this, here is a tip. It is easier to mix if the concentrate has thawed. So, it was a rule in my family. If you drank the last of the orange juice, you were supposed to put out a can of frozen concentrate so that it could start thawing. So one day when I was about 17, I neglected to put out the can. And my father came to me and said, did you finish the last of the orange juice? Yes, Dad. Why didn't you put out a can to thaw? And then in a burst of inspiration and sudden self-awareness, I answered, Dad, I just wasn't thinking. My answer rendered him speechless. All he could do was kind of sway from side to side for a moment. Then he pointed a finger at me and said, right, and left the room. 
He never mentioned it again, but I have remembered it always. It was the moment at which I grasped the power of claiming my own behavior, for better or for worse, the power of stating my why. What's your why? It's been a catchphrase in business circles over the last 10 or 12 years. A guy named Simon Sinek wrote a book called Start With Why, and many other books, articles, and TED Talks after that. And today you can take internet quizzes to help you find your why. One suggested formula is, I want to fill in the blank, so that fill in the next blank. Now your why is more than just your surface motivation. If someone asks, why do you show up for work and you answer, because they pay me, that is not your why. Even if you are able to answer, because I love what I do, that is still not exactly the why. If you are lucky enough to love your job, then your love for that work springs from the truest part of yourself. So you have to dig down to find that and then go deeper to find at the center of that truest part your foundational belief. According to Simon Sinek, that is your why, the reason at the center of everything you do. Now, obviously, my first statement of my why would not have qualified. I wasn't thinking. It was just a temporary condition. At least that's what I would say. My father might disagree. Here is an example that might be a little better. One day a few years ago, I was in a locker room at the YMCA when a mother walked in with her teenage daughter. And as they entered, the daughter reached for the light switch, plunged the room into darkness by turning it off, and then quickly turned it back on again. And her mother whirled around on her and said, why did you do that? And the girl shrugged and responded, because I'm irrational. You have a teenager. <laughs> the behavior didn't make sense, but as far as that girl was concerned, it didn't have to. I don't think that being irrational was her foundational belief though she believed at that time that it was appropriate for a teenager. Rational or not, permanent or not, at that moment, it was her why. I am not really convinced that most of us can dig down to find a single why for everything we do. But it is interesting to think about what's the why in our biggest decisions, in our really important questions, and also in the letter to the Ephesians, whose author is all about the why. Now, because the why is so important in this letter, I was a little frustrated with the way the lectionary laid out today's epistle reading. The assigned text began with verse 14, and the first words in that verse are, for this reason. Obviously, then you have to go back and ask for what reason. Go back and read the previous verses, and that'll drive you backward to the verses before that. And that's why I kept adding and adding verses to the beginning of the reading. I was trying to get us back to the why. That is how it is with Paul, at least uh, with Paul and those writing in his name, as is likely the case with this letter. Everything is connected to everything else. One word Paul uses a lot is a conjunction that is often translated as, so that. For example, in Romans, Paul writes, I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather so that 
we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That internet quiz, I want to fill in the blank so that fill in the next blank, could have come right out of the letters of Paul. Paul knew his why. In Ephesians, the why is described this way. Paul was handed a mystery and commissioned by God's grace to reveal it to others. The mystery was God's adoption of the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, into the family of God as part of the salvation for the whole world. For the Jews, including the Jewish followers of Jesus, this mystery was heresy. And for spreading that heresy, Paul wound up suffering hunger, thirst, beatings, imprisonment, and the threat of death. But Paul could withstand all this and more because he knew his why. Paul spoke with conviction, not just because he knew his purpose, but because he knew that it was deeply connected to God's purpose, which is the reconciliation of all people in the one body of Christ. But how did all that match up to the reason he bowed his knees to the Father in verse 14? I kept digging backward, trying to figure that out. I got back as far as verse 1 of this chapter where I read, this is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, which meant I had to go back even farther to find that his commissioning led to his preaching, which was the reason for his imprisonment. And yet I still couldn't match that up with the bowing of the knees. I apologize for dragging you through my thought process, but honestly, this is the way we should read scriptures, going deeper and deeper until the pieces fit together for us. And I couldn't make that happen because, as I finally saw, I kept looking for the reason backward when the reason was all in the forward. Paul wasn't bowing his knees to the Father for the reason that something had happened to him in the past. At that moment, he was bowing his knees to the Father for the reason that he wanted something to happen in the future. At the moment of his prayer, Paul's why was his hope for the members of the church. He bowed his knees because he hoped that according to the riches of God's glory, God may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through God's Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love, and that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Members of today's church can use Paul as a model in many ways. We can strive to know our why as clearly as he did, digging deeper into our true selves to look for the presence of God in the decisions that we make. We can ask how knowing our why as disciples of Jesus Christ equips us to make choices and to withstand the consequences which may be very difficult to live with. Wouldn't it be a blessing to us and to the world if our why consisted of more than I wasn't thinking or I'm irrational? Imagine the peace of knowing that our why was I am connected to God's purpose 
in the world. We can also keep in mind that every why can give birth to many so that's. Why digs backward into our souls, so that is the forward motion for which we hope. Paul was always hoping for something to happen, and for that reason he bowed his knees to the Father, so that members of the church might benefit from his prayers. We can take Paul as a model in our prayers, even when we're not sure about why we are praying. If someone asked you, why do you pray? It would be logical to reach backward for a reason. Because my parents taught me. Or because I grew up in the church. Or because I read the Bible and that told me to pray. But in the moment of your prayer, your why may be looking forward to your hope in the future. For what reason right now have you been bowing your knees to the Father? Maybe you're praying for recovery for yourself or someone you love. Maybe you are praying for answers to things that just don't make sense. Maybe you're praying for a good day tomorrow. Maybe you're just praying that someone hears your prayer because sometimes you may feel uncertain about that. When you feel caught in the loss, fear, and chaos that are part of our mortal experience, even your most foundational belief in God may seem shattered by what you or your loved one is going through. And yet, if you are bowing your knees to the Father, then you still have hope that someone does hear. And even when you can't dig down and find a foundational belief, a foundational hope can equip you for another day in your journey. As Paul says in Romans, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Using Paul as our model, we could add we wait for it with patience so that God can work in our lives which is as good a why as we will ever know. Amen.